Ira on sports. And here we go with one of our favorite guests. It's Andrew Catalan, CBS sports broadcaster. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And I want to once again, congratulate you on just a fantastic season. Me and Ira love, you know, watching red zone every Sunday and finding where's Andrew this week and just listening to you, to your calls of the games. You do a great job. And thank you so much for joining us. Ah, it's nice. You guys, I appreciate it. It's good to be back on with you on this uh, Super Bowl week. So let me tell you a quick story. My wife's a little bit crazy, and she's one of these people that the day after Thanksgiving, you have to set Christmas up. And one thing that's a constant in my house is Comedy Central is on the TV. I love Seinfeld. I love The Office. I love South Park. It's just always on. So I'm in the other room, and I'm on top of the ladder getting ready to put the star on the tree. And I jump down from my ladder, which is like, what's going on? And I, <laughs> I think I hear Andrew Catalan on Comedy Central. I run around, and sure enough, it's you doing a promo for Comedy Central, and you end up doing this for a month, these fantastic, hilarious promos. I just want to know how this partnership and marriage came to be between you and being the face of Comedy Central for a month. <laughs> for a month, yeah. No, it was so much fun. I'd never really done anything like that before. But uh, Paramount owns CBS and Comedy Central, so there was a, a, nas- uh, a, na- a natural partnership there, and that's how I kind of got in the fold. And yeah, I just went to New York to their studio one day in November and taped a whole bunch of skits and promos and just had fun with it, really. Just kind of ad-libbed a whole bunch of things. And then to their credit, I mean, I, they went through a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of video, <laughs> a lot of recordings. They had to put it all together, and it, I, it was really cool how it all came out and it was something that I enjoyed doing, and um, they seemed to be happy with it, so it was fun. But it's it's so funny you say that because I think I got more texts and calls about the Comedy Central thing than some of my football games. <laughs> that was something that became more popular than my actual real job. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but it was fun. Uh, I was When they announced they had a new host of The Daily Show, I was like, please let it be Andrew Catalan. <laughs> like, this would be perfect. <laughs> I don't think that's good for anybody. I don't think they're going to want that or, or I'd be a good fit there either. We don't have to worry about that. So, Andrew, can we revisit something? The, the national media kind of after the Ravens Chiefs game, I feel like everyone gravitated towards what the Chiefs did to win. And me and I were kind of looking at it like, what the Ravens do to lose? They brought in Todd Munkin, who revitalized Lamar Jackson's career. He's probably going to win an MVP here. He had a great season. In that game, they abandoned everything that they seemed to do the entire season that worked for them. It was a completely different game plan, a completely different Lamar Jackson, and a terrible outcome for, for them in the end. What was your thoughts on how the Ravens approached this game? Yeah, I think you make a good point. I mean, I think that the Chiefs are playing some really good offensive football right now in, in the last two games, probably the best they've looked offensively the, la- the whole season. Uh, but that was a game that, you know, I didn't, think ba- I didn't expect Baltimore to come out like that. I, I really thought that playing at home, with the momentum they had, that crowd, you know, I expected a better performance from the Ravens. And sure, you can look at the offensive game plan, uh, almost the opposite in some ways of what they had done throughout the year. Uh, that's a bitter loss for Baltimore. I, th- I thought they were in a really good position. Uh, Chiefs were just coming off a really emotional game against Buffalo, back on the road. Um, so there's no doubt there's going to be some uh, lingering bitterness in Baltimore this offseason. But that said, I still think they have a very good team and a good coach and a very good quarterback, uh, excellent quarterback, as you said, maybe MVP. So I think they'll be back. But, you know, you only get so many uh, cracks at the bat at, at this and getting to the Super Bowl and getting the win. And I think they're going to remember this one for a while. 
you want to know what's funny? Um, Ira was at that game, and he was saying after the game, the feel like Baltimore was just a deflated city. They get, you walk the streets, there's nobody out. It was just, you know, the, the wind was taken out of their sails. I'm sure you've seen this a lot throughout your career. Is there something that stands out to you where a city after the game was just flat? I mean, just like everyone went home and went to, uh, you know, to, to cry about it. Like I'm sure you've seen this before. Yeah, I mean, I would probably go back one week to Buffalo. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> they're in the same boat. I mean, they, that's all they live and breathe up there is, is Buffalo Bills football. And, you know, this is another time now where the Chiefs have sent them home. And, you know, I really think that, you know, I, I, people talk about windows closing and everything. I, I don't want to get too much into that, but this is a Buffalo team with Josh Allen that, you know, is, you know, prime to win. This, this is they built it up to win uh, this year. Um, now they had a lot of defensive injuries, and I think that really caught up to them against the Chiefs in that divisional round game. Uh, but you know, I think that the feeling in Baltimore is probably very similar to the feeling in Buffalo this off season. So it's interesting. You said maybe MVP for Lamar and. Me and Ira agree with you. I, I, I think that the narrative is he's going to win. And I'm, I, if I had to bet on it, I'm betting Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP. Me and Ira would take Christian McCaffrey, but we realize it's a quarterback's award. And he was the quarterback of the best regular season team. Probably going to win. I'm looking at the stats, though, and things like that. Josh Allen had a better season than he did. Dak, Dak Prescott had a better season than Lamar. Who's your MVP if you had to pick, Andrew? Yeah, I would take Lamar, and the reason I said maybe earlier was just because you know we don't know yet. You never know what could happen sometimes in the voting, but you know I think that you know you take Lamar out of that Ravens offense, it's they they can't really run their offense without him. I mean, he he they designed the offense around him, and I think that the way that they got it done. I mean, going to San Francisco on Christmas and blowing the doors off the Forty ers I mean, I think that was maybe you know probably the game that wrapped it up for him. Um, they got the one seed, as you said, it's usually a quarterback award. I, I just think it all points to Lamar. You can make a case for some of the other guys you mentioned, but I think it'll be Lamar's trophy. I, I agree with you, but at the, like we're looking at C-Mac, and through week 10 or 12, it was like Tyreek Hill. <laughs> but again, it's a quarterback's award. Ira, what do you have for Andrew? Andrew, I guess the, the big off-season question was, and I was at the Rose Bowl, and I was the national championship game, and also the Michigan-Ohio State game, and Jim Harbaugh. And I don't think there's ever been a coach that's, he's not like a true college coach. He was an NFL pro quarterback for 15 years. Then he coaches in the college, and he goes to the pros, and is successful for San Francisco, takes the team to the Super Bowl, then goes back to college successful. It's He's really primed. You know, it, it, There's been never a, a coach like him, and he looks like he's going to the most the perfect situation with Justin Herbert. First of all, in my second life, I want to come back as you. You go to more sporting events than I do, and it's my job to go to these sporting events. Uh, but no, you make a good point. I think it's a great fit. I, I thought that was, you know, really the most attractive job in the off season uh, because of Justin Herbert. I mean, I think that you know this is another team that, with some of the pieces they have defensively, and, and who I think is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now he's got to start winning some more games and. Uh, but I think that this is the right spot for Harbaugh. I think it's a great landing spot for him. I think that's obviously a tough division that you're walking into, but you've got a, a pretty much a ready-made team to start winning immediately. Um, so I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's L.A., Harbaugh, with all the attention, and you know he's going to bring a lot of his guys in to, to you know coach these guys up, which, you know, that's probably been the issue the last couple of years, not putting it all on Brandon Staley, but 
you know, he had a tough go there these last couple seasons. So I think if you're the Chargers, you have some older ownership. You, you know, this is a win-now type of team as well. And I think it makes a lot of sense, this marriage between Harbaugh and the Chargers. And going into the offseason, the two coaches that seem to be, I mean, the big surprise we're waiting for decisions to be made, besides Mike Tomlin's decision with the Steelers, but in terms of the coaches, in terms of the ownership, is McCarthy for Dallas and Soriani for Philadelphia. Both, you know, they both stayed. <laughs> it seems like on as shaky a ground as you can imagine. But were you surprised that they decided they, had, they both stayed in the, as positions of their head coaches? I'm not overly surprised that Sirianni stayed. I, I am surprised at McCarthy. I thought that Jerry Jones would have that, you know, maybe knee-jerk reaction after that playoff loss, and especially with Bill Belichick out there, I thought that that made, you know, I could have saw that coming. So I, I'm more surprised that McCarthy is still there. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's a rough one to recover from. Uh, but to give Jerry Jones some credit, he wants some continuity, at least, you know, for another season, they lose Dan Quinn to Washington, but you know, they're going to have some continuity there and see if they can run it back. But I'm more surprised that he stayed in Sirianni. And then getting back to Belichick in terms of with eight coaching openings, uh, he is interviews for a couple of them, isn't hired or decides not to take maybe a land or however the decisions went down. But now he's going to not be coaching this year. Uh, that I think is, I mean, I think that is a surprise to a lot of people. But, you know, for me, I felt like it had to be the perfect fit for him. It had to be a team that wanted to bring him in and sort of give him control. And it just, he couldn't find that place. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably a part of it. Obviously we don't know these conversations that he had with ownership, but it, it would seem to me that, you know, he was going to be picky about where he ended up. He would want the, you know, the right situation where he could control some personnel. Again, this is all speculation, but I think it makes some sense. And, you know, he doesn't have to coach this year. I mean, he could wait for the right situation next year, which, you know, as it is in the NFL these days, <laughs> there's, there's, at least five openings, it seems, every year. Um, so who knows what he'll do? He doesn't have to do anything, I'm sure. But, he, uh, you know, he can be. You know, I've done some production meetings with him. He, he, he could be really good on TV if he so chooses. I mean, he is a historian. He, he's a, he loves football. He can break it down um, like nobody else. Uh, so I'd be fascinated to see if he goes that route for a year. I still expect that. He will coach again. I think that record and passing Shula means a lot to him. And I think that whatever the situation is next offseason will probably be very appealing. Uh, but in the short term, I'm curious to see if he does TV because I think he would be a very interesting watch. Another person who think they go to TV is Mike Vrabel uh, for Tennessee Titans. So it seemed like there was a power struggle in Tennessee. He leaves. He doesn't seem to find a job. But again, he's you know much, much younger than Belichick. You're thinking he's going to be the one of the hottest coaching candidates coming to next session, You know, taking a year off and jumping back in in terms of finding the right situation for him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I think he did a great job in Tennessee. Uh, they had a ton of injuries throughout his entire tenure, but the players loved playing for him, and I was surprised that they, they made a move there. Um, and, and again, I think you're right. I think that he'll be a prime candidate next year. So what? He takes a year off. Big deal. 
catch his breath a little bit. But uh, I wouldn't. I I mean, I think that he's an excellent coach, and any team would be lucky to have him. Now, the one good thing about your job, stop <laughs> myself, which just goes to the games, is that you have to co- talk to offensive coordinators, the coaches, the quarterbacks, and prep for the game. So you've really, you know, some of these offense coordinators we don't hear. They're not interviewed. They're nothing like Canales went to Carolina, Callahan at Tennessee, uh, Mayo of the Patriots, Pierce Raiders, you know, Quinn the Commanders, and McDonald with Seahawks. Which one of these are you like, wow, I think they might be one of those that's going to come out and be super that first year or or you wait till you see when this person gets that, you know, his own team, what they're going to be doing? Yeah, I, I think Mike McDonald has a really bright future. He's, he's a young, energetic guy. He's been around some great people, you know, both Harbaugh brothers. Remember, he was the Michigan defensive coordinator and he also obviously with uh, with John Harbaugh in Baltimore for several years as an assistant and the defensive coordinator. I think that's a good fit up in Seattle. Obviously, a great ownership group, good structure with the general manager. I could see that McDonald, you know, in Seattle makes makes a lot of sense and could be really good. Um, you know, but you know, all these guys are worthy. I mean, you know, you could make the case that the offensive coordinator is the third most important position on a football team behind the head coach and the quarterback. I mean, I think in, in this day and age, these offensive coordinators are are massively important. So you get a, a Callahan or a Canales and, you know, obviously first time through it for them, but, you know, uh, they know what they're doing. They've been in the, the, the meetings with the head coaches and the quarterbacks and uh, it seems to be that's the way it's it's gone these days. So I don't think you did a Dolphin game this year, which is disappointing that you didn't get a chance to do any Dolphin games. But, you know, we're down here in Miami. I mean, that it seems like, you know, this year, that the last month, you talk about deflated. It seemed like everything. I mean, they were going to be worst case scenario, the two seed. You know, they were gunning for the one seed. And suddenly, you know, they're out of the playoffs in the first. You know, they're playing Kansas City in a minus 50 degree temperatures and they're out of the playoffs. Like, where do you think the Dolphins go from this? You know, they changed defensive coordinator with Fangio. He leaves. Um, but where do you think they go in terms of, you know, they, you know, with Tua and McDaniels, everything uh, going forward? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that they were looking scary midway through the year and thought they would really be a, a threat to, to get the one seed and, and make some noise in the playoffs at home. Obviously, it didn't work out that way in the end. Uh, Fangio out, uh, that was kind of out of the blue for me. I guess maybe down there you hear about some of the the tension uh, that they had with McDaniel, but I was a little surprised that Fangio's gone. Um, And, you know, look, they're going to be good again. The questions will be, you know, can they get it done at a big spot against a big team in in a big December game or in the playoffs? I mean, I think those are the lingering questions you have about Miami. Can they get it done in a big spot? They didn't get it done this year. You know, they'll run it back again next year and and see if they have a better fate. I'm sure they learned a lot from this season. You know, McDaniel is is an excellent coach, but still young, still growing. Um, So I I still think the future is bright, but until they win a big game, we're going to have questions about them. And another South Florida team, or not really South Florida, but how about Florida team that has a lot of questions is, I think people forget that in the middle of the year, Jacksonville was the number one seed. Trevor Lawrence, you know, they had the first couple hiccups in the beginning of the season, and they went and I think they won six in a row. They were rolling along, and then everything fell off. They don't even make the playoffs. And I think this is a big question mark of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we keep looking at him as this elite quarterback. He's elite, but what's he done? And I think that's the, you know, when you look at his numbers compared to Brock Purdy's numbers, Purdy's numbers are better than Trevor Lawrence's numbers by far. So I think that's the question with Jacksonville is like where when is Jacksonville going to take that next step uh, to become you know one of the top teams in the AFC? Yeah, I mean I 
really like the weapons they have on offense. So I, I thought they'd be better. You know, I thought that Trevor in this offense would be better than they were. Uh, so I was surprised, a little disappointed in them as well, the way that they finished the year. I mean, that that was unbelievable. Um, but it's a great question. I, I still like Peterson. I still like Lawrence. Uh, but that division is getting tougher now. It used to be, you know, all right, AFC South, you know, one team will come out of it. Uh, but now you look around that division and you've got C.J. Stroud, uh, who I think is for real. And Houston's going to be a good team with Amico Ryans. You know, Indianapolis, we'll see about Richardson. He only, you know, only played four games this year. But, you know, first-round pick. And obviously, they came a game away from the playoffs. And, you know, in Tennessee, obviously a bit of a rebuild, but you know, maybe Levis is a guy that that you know becomes a very dependable quarterback in this league. We'll see. So, you know, I think that Jacksonville's going to have to keep up with the times. It's it's a better division. It's an improving division, and uh, they're going to have to play better because you know this is a, a team when you have a number one overall pick like Trevor Lawrence, where the expectations are high, and uh, you know they want it down there. Uh, you know, I, I think that that fan base has really done a good job the last several years of getting behind that team, and, and they're hungry for playoff wins and, and to to make a statement, and they haven't really done that yet. So I think that uh, this is a big season coming up for the Jacks. Now, you did do the Jacksonville-Houston game, and I was there for the, um, the Houston Steeler game when Stroud had an amazing performance. What was it like talking to Stroud? What was it like, you know, in terms of talking to the team around there? I mean, they knew they were drafting. I mean, they want they were happy to draft Stroud at the second pick in the draft. But but he has to be, you know, they can't imagine that this first year I mean, is one of the greatest rookie seasons a player has ever had. Yeah. You know, I give a lot of credit to D'Amico Ryans. I thought that he just changed the culture as soon as he walked in that door. And, it, and the culture needed to change. I mean, it had been a rough stretch for the Texans. So the first, you know, tip of the cap goes to the head coach. I think he really energized the organization, energized the city, and now it looks like they struck gold with C.J. Stroud. I mean, give this kid a lot of credit. Uh, he really went in there with a professional approach. That's that's the word I would use to describe him. He's a pro. I mean, he you sit with him and you talk to him, and you know he's uh, he's very smart. Um, he, he's got a, a calmness and a poise about him. I think his teammates love him. Uh, I think there's a. I, I think this is uh, you know the start of something really special in Houston, and I think that the two of them, Ryan's and Stroud, are going to be right at the center of it. I, I think this is a really good place for the Texans after what had been a, a rough, rough patch for the last five, six years. And then turning to a quarterback that had struggled a lot this year, had injuries, and a team that just, as I said, I was in New York in the summer, and, and the expectations were, I mean, you, you know New York fans right now, the New York Knicks are the greatest team in the world, you know, this and this, the Jets and Giants. And, <laughs> and, and, yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. I mean, the, but the fact is that they were so positive. I'm like, I was like, hold your horses, don't get so excited about this team. And certainly I was right and they were wrong. But what happened, I mean, this, not just Daniel Jones, but it just seemed everything went wrong with the Giants. And Brian Dable, who the year before had, you know, could do no wrong, could do no right this year. And it seems like, boy, the Giants are, this is low, this is going to be a tough year, tough offseason and a really tough year this next year for the Giants. Yeah, disappointment for sure. Um, you know, you didn't see that coming after the, the, the year prior. The, the Jones injury obviously was a significant part of this story, but it just never clicked for them. They just never really got it together. Um and, you know, living here in New Jersey, you get to hear and, and read about it all the time. Um, 
you know, I still believe in Brian Dable. I, I think he's an excellent coach. I just think it was one of those years, and I know you don't want to hear that if you're a Giants fan, but, you know, I'd expect them to bounce back. Now, that said, you know, we're talking about divisions. This division is going to be really good. I mean, the Cowboys and Eagles are going to be loaded up again, and Washington has some new energy, and with that draft pick they have, who knows who their quarterback will be. So, you know, I think the Giants are going to have to keep up with the Joneses, <laughs> no pun intended. And, you know, the Saquon Barkley decision will be a big part of this offseason. What do they do again? Do they tag him? Do they trade him? Um, you know, there's some interesting pieces on the Giants. The offensive line was never healthy. I thought, I thought that was a big part of it. But, you know, there's no doubt that it's time for the Giants to get going, and it's another big year for, uh, for Brian Dable. I was disappointed to turn to the other New York team to the in the Jets. I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers goes down first season, you know, first game, and they win against Buffalo, which was crazy. But I felt like they almost it was almost used as an excuse during the whole year. And that game against the Dolphins when they played it, I was at that game here in Miami, and they you know no, they didn't give up any effort whatsoever. You know, the game was over at halftime. I, I just felt like the the whole season it was sort of like it's an excuse. Oh, we now we you know, we lost Aaron, we don't have to win. And I just it was weird. This, it was just a weird season for the Jets in terms of. And I think I saw other teams that lost their starting quarterbacks and, and sort of battled harder than I think the Jets did this year. Yeah, another one. I mean, look, you can obviously point to the to, to the injury, but, you know, that defense is legit. Um, and, you know, they just it didn't seem like they ever adjusted after losing Rodgers, right? I mean, they just it just kind of was, all right, this is what we're going to run out. This is what we're doing. Um, but that's, that's a team with that defense that, and again, I know down the stretch the defense didn't look great. You know, they got Miami in Miami, as you guys saw, you know, ripped them up pretty good. Um, but, you know, by that point in the year, I think it was pretty much done for the Jets anyway. We'll see. I mean, obviously everything is riding on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they're saying, like, forget about what happened. We have <laughs> Rodgers back, and we're going to run it back again. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, at his age, you know, can he stay healthy for the whole year? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, they're going to have a different backup quarterback. They're not going to have Zach Wilson here again. I would be shocked. Um, so, you know, it's hard to gauge, but all you do know and you do get the sense here that if it doesn't work this year, they're going to make massive changes. I mean, this is the year for the Jets. Otherwise, you could probably say goodbye to a lot of people in that organization. So we'll see. I mean, I think that they need Rodgers to stay healthy, and we'll see if he's still got it. I think he does, but can he stay healthy is, is the big question in my mind. And then, you know, we're just two more teams, and then we're going to turn – I'm going to turn it over to Mike to, to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. But Denver intrigues me. Now, remember, Denver came here, and what, I think Miami scored 100 points on them. It was the most unbelievable game, and then they had a little nice run in the middle of the season. But this whole Russell Wilson benching, I mean, the cap hit they're going to have is tremendous. And we're – like, I'm a Steeler fan. I think we should go for Russell Wilson. I what I saw Russell, I his numbers and what I what I watched him, I'm like he's better than what we have. Let's he doesn't cost the Steelers any money to bring him in. I think some other, I think Russell Wilson's going to be more in demand this year because they actually is not costing anybody to sign him because the Denver's going to be paying all his salary. But I, I was amazed that Denver made that decision just to I mean Sean Payton made the decision just to get rid of Russell Wilson or it seems like he's going to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean it just doesn't seem like Sean Payton was ever a Russell Wilson guy. I mean, I'm sure he, you know, gave him a chance, but it's just, you know, new blood and new start, basically. It, it seems that way. I, I think Atlanta makes a lot of sense for Russell Wilson, too. I could see him maybe squeezing his way down there. I don't think he'll be back on Denver. I don't think that you'd really come back from the way that that happened. And, um, you know, Sean Payton has 
probably wants his own guy. Who who that is, we don't know, but it's going to be Drew a Brees. Guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who says, yeah, yeah, Drew Brees the says way he's that up. went down was very, very odd in Denver. I agree. And then one last question before I turn it over to Mike is is the Bears with Justin Fields. They have the number one pick in the draft. Fields is sort of someone you watch some of these games and you're like, wow, he is amazing. The plays and the games and then other games, he looks absolutely horrendous. It seems like he's going to be out of Chicago and they're going to draft. But where do you think Fields goes? Where do you think a good spot for You know, people are t- talking about him going to Atlanta. And that may be a good spot for him. Yeah. I think it's one of the most fascinating questions of the off season is, is, is what happens with Justin Fields. I mean, their general manager, uh, Ryan Poles, I mean, he, he has such a massive decision to make here. Um, and uh, my guess is it probably changed a lot throughout the course of the year. I mean, early on, okay, move on. Well, then he comes back. They play well. The guys like him. Well, then what, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think that what he does there with the draft pick and Fields is fascinating um, you could tell me they're going to trade him and get a whole bunch of picks. You could tell me they're going to keep him and draft the kid from Ohio State as a receiver to go with him, Harrison. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't envy that position either. I mean, you're talking about really the future of your franchise. I mean, well, who's the quarterback going to be? Do you pay Justin Fields? Do you bring in Caleb Williams? I, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, and I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision either. And before I turn over to Mike, my one Super Bowl question to you would be San Francisco. I, there were times I, I remember that first game of this against the Steelers when they completely destroyed the Steelers, and you're watching the game, and it is over in like the first quarter, the first game of the year, and and you watch some of their games, and it was like just domination, like one of the best football teams I've ever seen. And then they struggled in the middle, and they had those three losses. The loss to the Ravens was shocking, and these two playoff games have been just you know head scratching in terms of what happened. Now, of course, the second half was great, but do you think this team can? You know, do you think San Francisco? Do you think those were just anomalies in the playoffs, or actually are they playing down to that? Will they be able to turn it on for the Super Bowl? And what do you think happened against Detroit and Green Bay where they didn't look sharp for stretches of the games? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, I would not be encouraged based on the way they've played the last month of the year. Um, do they still have the pieces where they can look like the teams or the team that blew out teams early? Yes. Obviously they're still there. Um, I think it's a huge spot for Shanahan. I mean, I think that this is a game that he's probably got the most pressure of anyone playing in the game. I mean, we know Mahomes is playing for history. We know Andy Reid is, you know, had a historic hall of fame run. I think Kyle Shanahan needs to win one of these things. I mean, you know, the Atlanta game when he was the offensive coordinator still kind of, you know, hangs over his head. Uh, they've come close the last couple of years but haven't gotten the job done. So whatever wasn't working in the playoffs and going back to the Baltimore game on Christmas, they need to figure it out because I think this is the time for that team to win. Mike, uh, throw, I'm throwing it back to you to ask your, your tough questions <laughs> well, on this game. I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you guys touched on it, I will. Andrew, here at Iron Sports, we're not a hot take factory. We, you know, we don't just throw stuff out. Around week 13, though, I made a comment, and I had more listener feedback than ever, calling me an idiot. I'm the dumbest person on the radio. I said I would take C.J. Stroud over Trevor Lawrence. And you throw the contracts out. Obviously, C.J. Stroud's going to be cheap for a while. If you're the GM of a team, and you can start a team right now around C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence, who are you taking? Because for me, it's Stroud. Yeah, I mean, I think that after this season, it's easier to say that. Um, You know, he he looked great. Is it a one-year thing? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think C.J. Stroud's going to be a a 10-year NFL, you know, veteran quarterback. And and you're right. I mean, 
going back to the, the point before, I think there's a lot of weapons around Trevor Lawrence where you'd expect them to play better. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's – I don't think you're crazy for saying that. I, I see your point, and, um, you know, I, I think that, that there's a lot of pressure on Trevor to, to step up. Maybe it's because we're in Florida and just got a lot of blowback <laughs> from Jags fans. But then people were not happy about my comments there. So I'll put you on the spot. Super Bowl, obviously you knew you were going to get asked this. The national media, I think, is really rallying behind the Chiefs. And Vegas disagrees slightly, of course. The San Francisco is uh, favored by, you know, two points. Who are you taking? I, if, for me and Ira, we like San Francisco. I don't really know why. You know, we just talked about how they didn't have their best, you know, foot forward throughout these two playoff games. But outside of the first quarter of the Ravens game, I didn't see the offense of the Chiefs do that great. They're winning the games on the backs of the defense, whereas we've seen that San Francisco's defense can be porous. Still, we like San Fran. You have to pick. Who do you like? You know, I think San Fran's the better team, um, and I think that they are a deserving favorite, even though it's not much. I just think it's really hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes. I bet against I mean, him three times so far in the playoffs, <laughs> and I have to sell my house now. Yeah, I mean, I just I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to pick against him. You know, if I had to, you know, you know, put a, a penny down on the game, which I'm not allowed to do, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't want to pick against him. So, you know, I, I think San Francisco should win the game, uh, but I'm not picking against Mahomes. So, if I had to pick a team, I'd probably pick Kansas City. Um, but you know, I, I think that San Francisco is going to play a good game. Um, I know I'm kind of hedging here and I'm not really giving you the That's answer. Okay. <laughs> You're a play by play. You're not the color guy. This You're is why you should host the daily show. You can play both sides. <laughs> I just think it's hard to pick against Mahomes. That's my bottom line. I've learned my lesson and I can't do it again. I'm just taking touchdown props and stuff in this game because every time I bet against this guy, he beats me. So I, I I can't do it anymore. But I agree with you. I just I look at San Francisco and say, how could this team not end up the win? Made them might not be the prettiest half, but what I saw them do in the second half against the Lions, if they can harness some of that, I just can't see them getting beat. But yeah, not betting against Patrick Mahomes anymore. Ira, you have anything else for Andrew? We really appreciate your time too. Yeah, Andrew, I just wanted to follow up on what you said about Kyle Shanahan and how important this is. I mean, someone who you know. He was not, I mean, sort of get unfairly a little blade for the Atlanta Patriot game because he was the coordinator in that game. But in terms of the Super Bowl, when he had a 2010 lead against the Chiefs with Garoppolo, it, there is that pressure, but it seems like he has all the weapons and they're all healthy. And you're right. It seems like that there is that pressure. It's like, Shannon, if you want to get to that next level, you want to be viewed in that special room, you know, with the Super Bowl, you have to you have to win this game. Uh, a lot of, you know, and, and it seems like he has the team to do it, but he just has to come forward and do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think that we know who Patrick Mahomes is. We know who Andy Reid is. I mean, these are, these are all time, I think all time greats. Uh, I think Mahomes is in that category now, uh, but Kyle Shanahan, I mean, they've had, you know, they have some great players. They they've been there. They've been right on the doorstep a few times. And, and I think that he is one of the better coaches in the NFL. I, I, he, he could definitely coach my team if I had a team, but you want to see him win the big one. And that's why I think there's a lot of pressure on him uh, on Sunday against the chiefs. And one of the players who I'm excited about in this game is that I, I love running backs. I've grew up with you know, Franco Harris and all that, so I love the running game. And I really think McCafferty is going to come through. I think you're going to get these long runs. I think he's going to be dominant in this game against the Chiefs defense. And it'll be fun to get the running backs back because that's sort of what I grew up on. I'm looking for you know someone who you know was in Carolina. It seemed like forever and and just you know played and when teams won four and five games. I, I love to see McCafferty have the, a huge game on the biggest stage. Yeah, I mean, he's look, he's one of the more talented players in the NFL, and they need him. I mean, obviously they have 
you know, Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, and they have, you know, some great weapons on offense. But he's the he's the engine that makes them go uh, dynamic in the run and the pass game. And, and you're right, he he is the guy that needs to step up and 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 set the tone for this 49ers team. So, so, Andrew, thank you. So, I just I always love having you. I know you're busy with college basketball. You're going to golf and everything. But thank you so much for coming on and and giving your summary of the season. Because you, of course, you have so much insight uh, through a 18 or 18 game season that you get to talk to all the players and coaches. It's pretty cool that you can come on Iron Sports and, and give us your insight. You got it, guys. Anytime. Enjoy the game this Sunday.